Welcome to The Unmistakable Marketer. Every week, we interview business leaders, marketers, and authors from around the world. Together, we try to unpack how we create marketing messages that attract attention and separate us from the competition. Our goal is to help you make your marketing unmistakable. In addition to this podcast, listeners get actionable advice on the latest insights in digital marketing from our free email newsletter, which can be found at tomorrow-people.com. That's tomorrow-people.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Unmistakable Marketer. I'm here with Dermot Walsh. Dermot is channel manager for HubSpot and he works closely with us at Tomorrow People. Um, HubSpot helped marketers generate traffic, leads and sales for businesses through their software tool, which is also called HubSpot. Dermot manages a number of HubSpot partners in the UK and his role is to help those partners become more effective at selling their inbound retainers. Dermot, thank you very much for joining me. Nathan, thanks for having me. Pleasure. Great stuff. Um, So, Dermot, could you tell our audience a little bit about HubSpot for those that aren't familiar with the company? Yeah, no problem. Um, So, HubSpot, we are a technology company. The company was founded back in 2006. We just recently had our 10th anniversary. It was founded by two MIT graduates uh, who are doing an MBA and are still managing the company. Dharmesh is our chief technical officer and Brian Halligan is our CEO. And the company, the, both Brian and Armesh identified back in 2006 that because of the internet and because of search, how people today fundamentally buy, how we as consumers buy has changed because of the internet. So people now do a lot or have the power to do and do a lot more research, checking out review websites, checking out what people are saying about a certain product or a certain service, Right. we can now go directly to a website, we can check out the pricing of that website, we can do a lot more research before we actually make a decision on what it is that we actually need to solve our particular pain point or to meet our particular desire. So they recognize that inbound marketing is a new thing. Why not try and find people when they're searching? So they developed and coined the term inbound marketing and built a software technology platform called HubSpot designed around the inbound marketing methodology. So that is ultimately finding people when they're searching, capturing those people as a lead, and then ultimately nurturing that particular lead until they become a customer. Wonderful. So the company itself we're growing at approximately 50% per annum mm-hmm. about 18 months to two years ago we went public on the New York Stock Exchange mm-hmm. we have how many employees I'm not exactly sure but it's probably around the 13 to 1400 mark sure um, I am located in Dublin the European headquarters are located in Dublin international headquarters in Boston recently opened an office in Tokyo Singapore Sydney with more to follow so it's a good place to work and the interesting thing about HubSpot and the marketing platform, it's actually changing a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work with very closely, as you mentioned, Nathan, with yourselves at Tomorrow People and other HubSpot marketing agency partners in the UK. That's brilliant. And the company is definitely going from strength to strength, Dermot. Um, you know, we see uh, more about HubSpot in the, in the news and in the media. Um, and as far as sort of marketing automation is concerned, um, I think you're you're definitely sort of one of the, if not the key leader, uh, sort of within within that space. So we'll definitely sort of watch this space and see see how the market 
develops. Um, Dermot, could you tell our audience um, something about you that they wouldn't necessarily know or be surprised to find out about you personally before we jump into the questions? Yeah, yeah I suppose just give you a bit of background. Well, I, I'm, I live in Dublin. I'm a big sport follower. Uh, play currently play rugby have been playing rugby for the last 20 years starting to come to the end of my career and I think if we were to have this conversation in the next three weeks I would have made a decision on whether or not I'm going to end it or not so don't do to it be, to, be, to be decided to be decided <laughs> the body the, the body is getting a little bit more painful after each yeah. game so I'm not really sure what to do this the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak well, it's still strong. It's still okay. strong, Nathan. Okay. You know, but, uh, it just it just it just it takes it takes a little bit more to recover after each game. That's unfortunate. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Brilliant. Well, Dermot, thanks for joining us. The first question I wanted to ask you is is the question that we ask to all of our our guests. It's you know, what marketing have you come across that you would consider as unmistakable? Yeah, for me personally, I think you know the best type of marketing that I receive as a consumer is it marketing that I believe is truly relevant to my particular taste um, and two companies that really come to mind one will be amazon.co.uk mm -hmm. you know if I haven't bought anything we probably the majority of your listeners here I'm sure have experience in amazon.co.uk I think it's a phenomenal company and how they market but if I haven't bought anything let's say in the last three or four months I will receive an email and it's not an email to buy something completely random it's an email that's very tailored and specific to my particular taste. So it's a recommendation to download a particular genre of movie or book. And I find that type of marketing not annoying, but actually relevant and helpful. And I think truly for me, that, that's the way marketing is becoming. It's, it's, it's about being helpful to your consumer customer base. And Netflix, again, very similar. Mm. You know, it, I love the way it kind of makes these recommendations to your particular taste. Definitely. So it's really about sort of personalizing the experience, really. Because um, I think there's a lot of backlash in the in the um, in the media at the moment about organisations that own a lot of data on customers um, and the abuse of that data sometimes by organisations. But what Netflix and Amazon have done amazingly well is they've used that data that they've collected for you, but they've used it to serve you with relevant ads, promotion, and content in a way that you don't feel is intrusive and you actually welcome. Yeah, I think I think the whole idea of, you know, I know a lot of people out there that the whole data privacy issue can be somewhat of a grey line and a lot of people don't, don't actually like it, <laughs> excuse me, but because there, are, because there is so much information out there, I think it's nearly better that we can receive stuff that we may or may not be, that we, that we are more inclined to sure. be interested in than not. Sure. Because otherwise, it's going to be like trying to find a, a needle in a haystack. Definitely. Well, Dermot, the reason I wanted to get you on the show is because you are a salesperson. You're in business development. And uh, mm -hmm. if I may say so, a very good salesperson at that. So <laughs> so the question I wanted to ask you is around... Thank you very much. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll pay you after. The, the question yeah. I wanted to ask you is around you know, business development and, and traditional approaches to um, mm -hmm. generating leading opportunities. Um, you know, many salespeople are still relying on the kind of tried and trusted email and call approach. But have you come across any approaches to business development that, you know, that you would consider as different or unmistakable in our terms? Yeah, so, well, 
business development, I, I, I mean, like, I, I think, unmistakable, with business development, it's all about generating pipelines. So I work, I suppose, just to kind of make, I know you introduced me already, but I manage nearly, I manage about 45 HubSpot partners who are predominantly based in the UK. My role is to help those partners become more and more effective at selling their inbound retainers mm -hmm. to their clients. Mm -hmm. And what I've done it with a lot of part, a lot of those partners I'm dealing with, you know, they're senior level people in the agencies, they're business owners, they have no problem managing a sales cycle or a sales process mm -hmm. once they actually begin to have that discussion because they know their business inside out. They typically will have a lot of value to offer a potential prospect or a potential customer. What they do struggle with in many cases, and many businesses across the world have the same problem, is generating pipeline. How do they effectively generate pipeline? Mm -hmm. So, unmistakable, what I would recommend is you've got to put in the work, the activity, at the top of the funnel is how I describe it. It's about, gener it's about generating leads, first of all. If you don't have leads that you're not doing, let's say, through inbound marketing, then you need to begin to employ what I would recommend is a business development representative, an inside salesperson, typically a junior level salesperson, who can begin to source companies that you would like to work with, companies that you work with already in that particular industry, mm -hmm. individuals source then individuals within that industry and begin to put in place a play or the beginnings of the sales process where you go from lead to the next stage, the very early innings of the sales process, which I would term to be the connect call. And how do you go from lead to connect call? You need to have constant activity. But what I recommend is if I were to reach out to you today, Nathan, mm -hmm. as a potential prospect for our business, I might send you an e email mm -hmm. that is a basho type email I'm talking about value that I'm bringing organizations in your particular field, but it's very much to the point mm -hmm. with a specific call to action at the end of that email. And then I'm asking to try and get on your calendar. Now, that would be attempt number one. Attempt number two, an attempt would be categorized, I would recommend as Hello? I think email, phone call. Sorry, Dermot, I think you dropped out there. I think Nathan, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I think it dropped out. Can you out. hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Um, you, you're talking about the second. Okay. No, no problem. I was, will I continue? Yeah, yeah. So, so I think the key thing about business development, particularly going from lead to connect stage, mm -hmm. what I would recommend, what the big mistake that people make is that they send one email or they might send two emails. Sure. And they think, okay, I've tried to connect with that person. I haven't heard back from them. Sure. And they put that person to the side and they don't bother about it. So what I recommend is you need to have a very diligent follow-up process when you're going from lead to the first stage of the sales process, whether it be an inbound lead or an outbound lead, one that you've sourced yourself. And I would recommend to have five attempts going from lead to connect stage and each of those attempts done over a 10-day period, but with you know less time between each attempt, the further you go on. So for example, Nathan, I might reach out to you today. Mm -hmm. I might not try and reach out to you again for three days. Mm -hmm. I then send a second email with different customized email, relevant content, mm 
The third email might be an example case study that I've done in your particular industry. The fourth email might be day eight for argument's sake with another case study or again relevant metrics that I've delivered a customer in your particular industry. Sure. With the fifth email within a 10 day period I might even go negative, so the fifth email is what we term to be the go negative or the break up email where I'm saying Nathan I've reached out to you several times, I haven't heard back from you, this is an example of value that we're bringing organizations in your sure. industry, sure. I mean you're assuming you're not interested. The most responsive email you will get out of that five stages will be the breakup email. Because what you're ultimately saying to them is you're not going to engage with that, try to engage with them any further, but you're giving them the opportunity to get back to you. And if okay. they don't get back to you, you just put that particular lead yeah. into a marketing workflow. That's interesting. So effectively what you're saying is that of the five emails that you're sending, the engagement that you that you get the highest uh, conversion from or, or sort of response from is the last email, which is the slightly more negative one. Um, talk to me about this this whole idea of sort of engaging via email because, you know, we're seeing across the board fewer people opening email, clicking through to email. E email open rates are, are, are dropping and have been steadily for, you know, for quite some time. It seems to be that the approach that you're advocating is predominantly an email-driven one. Um, what about those those individuals that don't engage in email? It seems to be what you're saying is that the the fifth one is something that they tend to engage with more often than not. Correct me if I'm wrong in, in saying that the reason why people are engaging with your content or your emails is because you're serving them with relevant content in the form of either case studies or e-guides. Again, going back to that personalization that we talked about with Amazon and, and Netflix, is that the reason why the emails that you're sending are, are more effective than just, hey, I'm trying to get on a, on, a, on a call with you and I'm trying to get in, into your calendar? Well, I think if we, if we go back to the very start of the process, where does the lead come from in the first place? Right. Ideally, this is where we want customers, for example, Nathan, engaging with the likes of tomorrow people so you can begin to implement an inbound methodology for your customers. Right. So you can begin to generate inbound leads for your customers and then we begin to put that follow-up process in place. So even though it's an in, typically an inbound lead, higher success rate of conversion going from lead to connect call. That's right. not to say that you don't have a conversion rate going from a cold lead through to the connect call. Um, you're asking the question, Email more and more. It's more and more difficult, you know, to get through to somebody because there's so much information being thrown at an individual. Sure. This is why we recommend that when you are trying to engage, that you don't just attempt two or three times. That attempt, the number of attempts, is absolutely key, and it's also key in terms of the time frame that you do it over, and it's also key in terms of the content that you have in each of those emails. Right. And it's also key that you keep your emails succinct and to the point and that you're talking about value that you have brought companies in their particular industry. Now, the reason I say it's absolutely key going from over a 10-day period, if you think about the psychology of it, Nathan, if I reach out to you today or a friend for argument's sake or a brother or sister and I don't hear back from them, I might give them three days to respond. Right. If I don't hear back from them for three days, I might send send another email or I'll try and call them again, leave a voicemail, mm -hmm. and then I don't hear back from them, so I might give them, okay, I might give them two and a half days to respond. Mm -hmm. now, then I'm a non, now I'm not 
on attempt number three. So I might start today on Monday. I might have attempt number two on the Wednesday. I would have attempt number three on the Friday. Mm -hmm. I would have attempt number four on the Monday morning and potentially attempt number five on Monday afternoon mm -hmm. or first thing Tuesday morning. So in other words, I'm trying to create that urgency. Listen, Nathan, I've reached out to you several times. This is examples of value that we're bringing companies in your particular industry. If I don't hear back from you, I'm assuming you're not interested. Sure. The reason it's really important to, I suppose, you're trying to create that urgency, that excitement over email over that particular time frame. A lot of mistakes people make when it comes to business development is that they'll put, send an email in today, then they'll try and follow up again in two weeks' time, then they'll follow up again in four weeks' time, then they'll follow up again in five weeks' time, and so on. There's no structure in terms of actual time. Right. No, that's great. And, you know, it, it, clearly you're an inbound agency or you're an inbound, uh, you know, you advocate the inbound approach because, um, you know, the, the software is built around the inbound methodology, which is fantastic. Talk to me about whether or not you still feel cold calling and direct mail still has a role in demand generation, you know, booking opportunities and, and getting on base with prospects. Does it still have a place? Yeah, I mean, like ultimately, um, sales is ultimately a numbers game. Mm -hmm. um, what I mean by that is good salespeople, you know, sales directors will all know what the conversion rate is of their particular reps. So if you were to give that particular rep 100 leads or 200 leads or they were to source 200 leads, they may have a 1, 2, 5% conversion rate, whatever it may be. So does cold calling, does direct mail, does it still have a play? Absolutely, but what I would recommend is you do it in an inbound type way. Okay. In other words, so that might sound a little bit corny, but I think it's very true in that if I'm going to begin to target a particular company, I want to be intelligent about it. And what I mean by being intelligent about it, you know, let's say in your case, Nathan, you're an inbound marketing agency, you are helping companies grow you're helping companies typically generate a lot more leads mm -hmm. you're helping companies solve the particular pain point where they may not have, not have enough traffic coming to their website you're mm -hmm. helping companies solve the particular pain point whereby a business owner is not able to prove out their ROI in terms of their marketing spend you mm -hmm. and tomorrow people solve that and if you think about um, lead generation from a tomorrow people standpoint I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm actually just trying to think of an example. Um, you might think about, okay, I'm going to reach out to companies that are hiring more salespeople. Because if they're hiring more salespeople, they're obviously going to need more leads for those salespeople to be successful. Sure. If they're hiring marketing people, then typically they're investing in growth. So why don't I maybe reach out to those particular individuals sure. and if you get it and and you're so what I mean is you reach you're, you're creating alerts of and you're giving yourself the best possible opportunity that when you do reach out cold that it's probably going to be relevant for that particular business at that time again a company who's recently in your case secured funding and if they secured funding they're going to need to spend that money to do what in most cases to grow so they're going to have increased budgets for their marketing spend. 
So this would be a good opportunity for the likes of Tomorrow People as an agency to go out there and maybe begin to talk about your inbound services and to see if you can actually help solve particular problems for their business. Fantastic. So it still does have a place, but it needs to be done in the context of the inbound approach, effectively. I think just be intelligent about it. You know, why are you reaching out to that company in the first place? And, you know, there's a huge amount of information out there. And I think the other thing that's really clever that, that, that a lot of sales reps are doing now is, you know, it's ultimately about pain, uh, trying to identify pain in an organization. And maybe what you could do is you could, it's always easier to, to get in touch with junior level people in an organization, but have the conversation with those junior level people right. understand what particular pain points those junior level people are encountering on a day to day, and then use that information to really tailor a conversation or an email or a letter to the C-suite whereby, okay, I have had this converse, these conversations with some of your people. I understand these are the particular pain points that you're mm -hmm. facing. Mm -hmm. We know we have solved this for three of these companies in your particular industry. I think it might be good for us to have a conversation. Right. No, that makes that makes complete sense. And I think there's a lot of value in the uh, discussion that we've had here today. I think a lot of our listeners would, would take a lot of actionable uh, advice away. Just just winding down um, the, the conversation now, are there any books that you would recommend our listeners read? Are there any books that have been particularly sort of useful for you in your development as far as, you know, business development and sales are concerned? Yeah, a really good book that we would like. So we do a lot of sales coaching with our partners, and a book that we are constantly referring to, and I'd, I'd highly recommend for a good read. It's called The Challenger Sale, right, uh, by Matthew Dixon. Mm -hmm. And you know, typically the best salespeople are those that will challenge their prospects the most. And what I mean by that is like if you're talking to a business owner, you really want to understand first and foremost what is their main pain point. Now, it may they may have a multitude of different pain points, but you need to understand what is the compelling reason as to why they would do business with you right. within a certain time frame. And a lot of the time, is it's about challenging your prospects. You know, they may have great ambitions for their business. They may have goals for their business. But in actual reality, when you start breaking it down and you start putting a plan in front of them, mm. is it actual real? And if it isn't real, that's your job then as a salesperson to begin to maybe help put the plan in front of them and see if they can help activate upon that plan and maybe invest in that plan. Okay, now this is now becoming much more of a real opportunity. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they might just say, okay, we want to double our business in the next two years. So why do you want to do that? Challenge them. Um, if you don't double your business in the next two years, what happens? Understand the consequences, the implications mm -hmm. for the business. Because in many ways, what you're ultimately doing here is you're properly flushing out the good opportunities from the bad opportunities. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And um, I highly recommend the book as well. Love it. Um, love the concept of, you know, challenging your prospect because that's the added value that you're adding to the conversation. I think a lot of salespeople are too nice in, um, in, in, in sales, in the sales process. 
and they almost act as order takers a lot of the time, just reacting to whatever it is that the prospect is asking for. But that's not the value that they're really looking for. And I think what the book does a really good job of explaining, as you've said, is how you can then challenge them if they present you with a, you know, an objective. How do you then interrogate that to actually make sure that are you are those the actual right objectives that you need to be looking at? Have you looked at this? Is that something potentially that you need, that you haven't devoted some time and attention to? So again, yeah, challenging the prospect and not just being effectively an account manager or an order taker, um, you know, to really sort of separate you from the competition. So thank you very much for that for that recommendation, Dermot. It's, mm-hmm. it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure speaking to you again. Uh, we speak regularly, so I'm sure I'll speak to you very soon. But uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. And, uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get you on the show at some point in the future. Cool. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Brilliant. That's all for this week, everyone. So stay tuned. We'll be speaking to another marketing decision maker and salesperson or author next week where we try to undercover, uncover what makes our content unmistakable. Thank you very much. I'll see you soon.